Welcome to the Enneagram 2.0 podcast. I'm Beatrice Chestnut. And I'm Wudanyo Pais. And today we are talking about head types in relationships. Finally, Finally. it's time for us head types and to share a little bit of our secrets. You've been waiting for this. I have, but mostly people who relate with head types have been waiting for this because I know head types can be a mystery for many people. They are indeed. Certainly to me, I'm definitely still figuring you out. Ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Although I think fives are a bit more difficult than others, I... other head types. But let's see. Let's, let's unveil some of the secrets of how to relate with head types. Fives, sixes, and sevens. Okay. So uh, once again, to remind people of what exactly we'll be talking about with regard to head types and relationships, We'll discuss general tendencies, patterns, and traits that head types display when relating to others. Then we'll talk about things that make head types happy. That you, you know, tips for getting along with the head types in your life. And then we'll talk about things that bother head types and how you can get into trouble with them. And then we'll talk about what's good about being in relationship with head types for, for those of us non-head types who may find them mysterious and potentially every once in a while a little bit difficult. <laughs> Sounds like a good uh, outline for head types to have here. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So since you're the expert on head types, especially in relationship to me, or you have, uh, you have the inside knowledge that I lack, um, why don't you start us off by, by listing some general tendencies traits, patterns that you see head types expressing in relationships? The first one is seeking for security and certainty in relationships. So I'd say that whenever the agreements, the pacts uh, in the relationship are not clear, or when you feel that the other person is questioning what has been agreed, then that becomes difficult to handle. Uh, head types or fear types, but fear for head types is more like intolerance for uncertainty and wishing to anticipate mentally everything that is going to happen. So there is a bigger need for head types to to have agreements. And I think that sometimes people see like ones on relationships and think they are mental, but it's not about having an agreement, really. It's more about doing things right in their way. And that's not what happens with head types. It's more like, I, uh, you know, head types need you to guarantee and bring them safety in, in what they can expect from the relationship in the short run and in the long run. Is that why you like to create overall planning before doing things like? Yes. So connecting what you've just said with relationships, I feel a bigger need to have planning when I'm doing things with others meaning that the planning has to do with limiting the the risk of other people surprising me or doing things that will be scary 
And do you think it's that same exact way for sixes and sevens in addition to you as a five being that way? So I do think so, because uh, in different ways, they come from the same the same uh, concern and willingness. So definitely for sixes, it's similar in, in the sense that they they need to know ahead your next steps so that they feel safer. But even for sevens, it's like that, in my view, because it's more like they are full of plans of themselves. And uh, if you don't engage with that, they're not very willing to, to go out of their plans. And they like your plans if they fit with their plans or if they sound like a good idea or a better plan, but they still need a plan. You know? <laughs> so you can see that head types are a lot about plans and, and also uh, try, try to have things under a certain mental control. That makes sense. Um, interesting. And not something that is on the top of my list in relationships. Yeah. So, so I want to say, B, that uh, I'm, I'm trying, and I think I've started, sharing things that most head types are not going to share with you. Um, to truly unveil mysteries and help people understand what's behind what happens in the relationship with head types. So I'm hoping that this will uh, be useful for people in relationships with head types, but also that it won't be off uh, too many head types that I'm sharing <laughs> too many secrets. But it sounds like what you're saying is that these are things that while head types may do and may know about themselves, especially when they hear you say it, they may not recognize it yeah. enough to share it with people it's at, unconscious. at the beginning stages of a relationship because they just do it so naturally. Yeah, it's a unconscious yeah. for most of us. Right. It took me some time to realize that my excessive planning with my wife and my kids and friends uh, was coming from my own need of controlling them, mm -hmm. which I think is a mental type thing. We want to anticipate steps of life and people around us so that we feel more secure. So in addition to that need for security and certainty, and so the desire for clear agreements and planning, what else? Um, or maybe another, what's another manifestation of that need for security and certainty? What, what other traits can you identify that might be good for people to understand about head types and relationships? Well, when there is the time to discuss problems in the relationship or when there is an issue and, you know, some kind of argument happens, um, it's, it's easier for head types if that doesn't go to a very emotional place that feels scary. It's like they tend to, intellect, they tend to intellectualize uh, the discussion to make sense of it and try to keep it under control so that it doesn't become something worse. Um, and uh, when the other person is not willing to do that, that becomes troubling and fearful for head types. So they try to bring the discussion back to comfort territory, comfortable territory, which is mental. You know, understanding all that's happening, 
Now, if both in the relationship are mental, it can be an endless discussion. Like with my wife as a six, she's a six and I'm a five. It becomes a little bit like uh, endless and uh, we can at times that's our bias and we need to force ourselves to just be emotional or be instinctive if we want to get out of that loop. I see. And so for the non-head types, how are you? Because, of course, you know, in relationships, emotions get stirred up. Yeah. You know, and you mentioned that head types intellectualize. So that may mean that they don't on one hand like you said very clearly they don't necessarily want to be talking about too many emotions or getting into emotional territory for too long a period of time um and it also sounds like what you're saying is they can intellectualize in other words they can avoid their emotions Mm -hmm. and go to the mental uh in a in a way so how how are they when it comes to actually feeling the emotions and talking about emotions? Is it just that they have a limited tolerance for that or a limited time period? Or how, how does that go generally? Um, most of the times, people are more fixated in, in ego and personality. And when that happens, and they are mental types, they think of emotions, they don't feel them directly because of the same fear of uncertainty and things that we can control and emotions are part of that or think of sensations instead of directly having them so that is what mental types will try to do with the conversation to bring it to a more um, reasonable sensible discussion (laughs) uh, that isn't just about expressing emotionality now for Uh, A good idea for people in relationship with head types, one thing to do is to explain why that is not good for them. Instead of just showing and displaying that that it's horrible, just explain that. Because you get to where you need to get with head types when they understand what the issue is. It's at the very least 50% of what you need to do to have them understand first, and then they adapt way easier. Now, when head types grow and are not as fixated in personality, they necessarily start experiencing emotions more directly and sensations more directly. And then it's good to give them feedback that that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Because I believe head types at times get negative feedback when that happens, unfortunately. It's like, you used to be so rational or so calm or whatever, and now I don't see you being like that. Mm -hmm. So don't do that with a head type because that's uh, evolution for them. Right, right. Understand that at a certain point, they may be more emotional and that's a good thing. Um, So what other traits and tendencies would you... uh, think are important for people to understand? Um, Relationships become better when they feel mentally challenged and intellectually stimulated. It's more like um, having discussions that are nice and deep, like over a dinner table or, um, you know, about life, about things or about the relationship and going deeper in some aspects 
or just brainstorming and having ideas of plans of what to do and uh, being a bit adventurous because although sevens are the most adventurous usually of the three head types, mental energy has to do with adventure, has to do with curiosity, has to do with going out of the box. This is why head types um, usually don't see only black and white. They, they see all shades of gray and they don't like to repeat things as much. They don't, they don't want only routines and things that uh, are not, you know, uh, are not creative. I think there is a, a tendency for some extra creativity. I mean, the mental creativity for head types because they want to be mentally stimulated and go for things that are new from a perspective of feeling curious. So if the other person offers that, there is a potential for a, a positive impact in their relationship. Offers what exactly? Um, the possibility of being okay with their curiosity, not pushing against it, and being curious themselves. I'd say that the other person gets more attractive for head types when they display that curiosity themselves. I think we're already getting into things that make head types happy. Mm -hmm. um, anything else to describe a, sort of a, in terms of a general tendency before we go there? Mm. Or have we covered it? Uh, it it's, it's important to be understanding and non-judgmental with the fact that head types might feel cold at times for if you are a more sensitive person or if or that they feel like they don't move on if you're an instinctive person uh, it's important to be sensitive because it, it's really something to be seen as a skill that they haven't yet developed as much as you have so um, be understanding of that and go a bit slowly with them especially when giving feedback about that and explain why that can be good for them. And then uh, I'll ask them to get your help in helping them be this way, because out of curiosity, they will be okay with that. But just don't push too much. Um, just don't, um, you know, pressure is difficult for head types. You know, there is a whole insecurity about moving on if you don't have certainty. Mm. So it's it's good to wait a bit and uh, at the same time to offer support. Now, the understanding I'm talking about is not exactly an emotional holding. It's more like I hear you and I won't press and, and you know, I, I, I understand you. And I think that with... Uh, calmness from my part, I can help you. I can help you venture out and do things sometimes without being sure about them, explore. And I think you'll be excited and curious about all of that. Um, and even for sevens, I do think this is the case because it's way easier for sevens to do that when they're in charge of what they're choosing. When, when you talk about safety and security and certainty is there at the core of that kind of a fear of the unknown yes i see yes it 
you know, uh, mental types have a very basic thing of wanting to know it all. It's not only fives. It, it's wanting to know everything to control all of them. Um, so it, this is the way that supposedly unconsciously I try to feel safe about living life. So, yes. So what are some of the things that make head types happy? That exchange of curiosity, some adventure, some kind of um, structure at the same time. So it's a... Sometimes difficult to grasp a um, mix of structure and uh, breaking out of the box and creating. So it's, it's something that, you know, somewhere in between these two things, you find success with head types in relationships. And another thing that makes head types happy, in my view, as a head type myself, is... Uh, the opportunity to learn things together. And when the other person uh, wants to go for knowledge and uh, a better understanding of life in general, uh, if that doesn't exist, the bonding isn't as easy. Mm. So if the other person doesn't show interest for true mental development, and uh, uh, enriching mental exchanges, uh, things become more difficult in their relationship. Like, what's what makes a head type happy is intellectual curiosity or being met in in terms of liking to think about things and think creatively mm. and maybe make plans from a point of view of allowing for creativity. Like we said, brainstorming or coming up with new ideas. Yeah, it's, yes, it's all of this. But I think that also includes the kind of movie we're going to watch tonight, you know? Mm -hmm. It's it's like if, if it adds to my mental processes, it's more uh, fun. So it's not as easy for mental types as I listen from many people about this uh, to just uh, not, not feel stimulated in the head. It's really head and mental stimulation. I, I can't use another word, I think. Um, if the relationship is a means towards that, then they are happy. And if it's not, there is this beginning of disconnection in the relationship because unconsciously, and I know this won't sound really nice, but uh, it's what happens, and all of us have biases and shadows. Uh, unconsciously, I believe that head types use everything and people around them as means to develop mentally. And uh, it's, it's a little bit of a functional view of people and uh, things in life to help them uh, exercise their thoughts. You mentioned earlier that head types like it when you explain something a lot. So it sounds like, especially maybe around a conflict or around an emotional interaction, it might be 
good for the head type if, again, those of us who aren't head types, tried to go to more of the mental level and explain what we're even even what we're feeling more in mental terms. Yeah, I think um, a more generic way I would uh, use to try to explain this is that all three mental types do not like bad surprises or to get caught in a situation that the other sounds or feels impulsive or having a burst of uh, any kind of reaction that you had not anticipated. So that can happen with emotional emotions, with anger, with uh, that comes from also uh, body types, or anything that you had not mapped out previously. So any reaction that's that that feels abrupt is a bit difficult to to deal with. Um, and uh, this is why if the person in relationship with the head type learns a little bit to calm down first and communicate a bit more uh, with logic and with some reason, uh, and then talk a little bit about the feeling and eventually also display that later, then it becomes way more comfortable for head types and they may respond better to you yeah i know i know as a heart type i've always been sensitive to the bias that i think we have in in many cultures especially western culture certainly u.s culture of how rational Mm -hmm. being rational is better than being irrational irrational being you're, you're being irrational can be an insult or a criticism whereas i always say feelings emotions by definition are irrational thoughts and mental activity is rational so saying that just saying okay we both need to be open to both it does sound like it's really important for us and i would say especially heart types to learn to be able to communicate in a rational way especially when you're communicating around points of difficulty or when you are emotional, like I know for me, I'm still learning. (laughs) I've been learning, but I still forget uh, on a regular basis that when I'm having a strong emotion, like in our relationship, I really need to kind of back up and process it myself first, maybe vent it out, maybe take a walk, um, maybe be with that for a while before I attempt to communicate because if I communicate when I'm in the heat of that emotion, it is hard for me to base what I'm saying on logic or, you know, it's hard for me to be mental in a ongoing way. Um, I'm driven by that emotion and I know that can create confusion or problems of different kinds. And so it sounds like what makes the head type happy is if those of us, and I'm not sure how this would be for for body-based types, but if at least for those heart, uh, those of us that are heart types, and maybe body types too, if we consciously make an effort to meet you on that mental level, yeah. to phrase things in terms of concepts, ideas, and what about like data? I guess different people can mm. interpret data differently, and certainly emotional data might mm. <laughs> might be called data, but may not be 
logical. So, so logic, I think that's, that's, that makes a lot of sense. So let me report back to you how I heard uh, the things that you've just said. Okay. First, I, I like a lot your understanding that it's good for non-head types to try to do more of what you said they, they can do. I really like that because, and I'm trying just to see the immediate reaction I have because honestly, I, I, I do it a bit differently right now in my life. I, I get more emotional directly or instinctive myself, but I'm talking from a perspective of our first reaction here. Uh, so I appreciated that because you showed to me the capacity of self-control and logic and understanding where I come from. It's not as much a feeling of being met, being heard, or, or being, being um, understood in a personal level. It's just that uh, there, there, there is an easier way to trust someone else who gets to a logical conclusion. And what you just said is important because even those words you use, being met, being heard, being understood, yeah. those of the people who have heard the heart type in relation heart types in relationship episode might remember that those are important words for us heart types like for me i have a continual fear of being misunderstood which is why i've noticed i have a pattern of repeating myself when i speak and you've often said you know as a head type just uh it, it bothers you if i repeat myself and maybe that's a five thing or maybe it's all the head types um, but I need I need to work on that because I've recognized that in myself, and I know it's a fe- it's about a fear of being misunderstood, and it's uh, almost like I'm circling around in my own head, a little bit driven by my emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like it's almost like I'll say the same thing in slightly different words, or even almost the same words, because there's this sense that I have to repeat myself a few times to actually be understood. But I don't necessarily think that's true. Mm-hmm especially from a head type point of view, because you heard me say it the first time. And if it was, especially if it was rational and logical, you got it. Yeah. So, yeah. So going on with my feedback, what you said again, what you said now, as an addition to what you said before, also made me feel really good because you're making an effort to understand your process and not only manage it out of, a lack of a good assessment of it, which is what for head types feels like others are not doing in general in life. They're not thinking. So it's, and we do have some prejudice that we need to work on ourselves when we don't feel that others are doing as if reasoning is more important than other processes in life. Now, um, another feedback piece for you from what you said is that when you when you described how hard types are um, unfavored in society in in a few ways, I got yeah that makes sense, and in my head I started opening up space immediately to be able to um, uh, allow for more direct emotions being manifested because it made sense. But if you come to me and say, look, I have a big personal need for that. And I, I, it's me 
Uh, so when things become too personal, it's harder to open up that space inside. So if you want to make things happen with head types, uh, be logical, explain things, and come together to a common uh, conclusion about a more general situation than what's happening right now. Oh, it's yes. more, you know, uh, more... Um, Generalizable. Yes. Generalizable and, and theoretical, yeah. potentially, instead of personal. Yeah, so this is all good feedback. I, I hope you hear this. But at the same time, I want to bring a, a topic for discussion. While I think that, that life, society in general, uh, has actually been based in um, something more mental and that wasn't fair with hard types and above all body types because we've been talking about emotional intelligence for a few decades now but not yet as much about inst instinct but um, so I agree that uh, it's not fair and we all need to be um, more uh, prone to being emotional and instinctive not only mental however my point is, I don't think this is the reality of most relationships. I think that, especially for our Enneagram 2.0 listeners, chances are that relationships are an easier territory for hard types. We talk all the time about the need to be met, to be seen, to be understood, and you know, and, and all the protocol of how to relate with other people tends to respect a bit more emotions in us. I think for the last decades, this grew way big, you know, and I don't think it's favorable right now for head types because it's not actually the language. And, and the, the core needs they have in those relationships. So while I agree that with what you said for living life in general, I'm not sure I agreed that much for relationships themselves. I think that relationship aesthetics have been made a bit more complicated for head types uh, lately. In what way exactly? It's like all the books and teachers uh, talk about the need for uh, empathy, emotional exchange, and a kind of understanding that respects emotions. And even what is considered um, polite in terms of um, um, what to do and what not to do, in relationships um, and what I call the relationship aesthetics um, tries to respect uh, each person's individuality and a lot of uh, the emotions that can happen if you don't act a certain way. But that's not exactly head type territory. I think that head types need something else. They tend not to make things as personal as one example. And they, they need to exchange ideas a bit more freely. And they need people not to take things too personally. So it, it feels to me that today's 
trends for how to do relationships don't favor head types. So while I think that in society as a whole, it's true that mental types still reign and dominate, you know, because what, of our education system, yeah. because of this idea that yeah. being irrational or illogical is yes. bad. So yeah. I agree that that's a problem. Yeah, It's too good for head types and not as good for non-head types. But I think that the new thing that is uh, seen as necessary for relationships is the opposite. So it's not as easy for head types. Yes, I, I get your point and I, I hear you. And it's, it's, it feels a little bit like the playing field is a little more level. You know, <laughs> like, okay, let's focus more yeah. on the value of emotions and on, on relating because we haven't really valued that yes, as much in yes. the past. It's, it's like that, that's been more emphasized and rightly so. Uh, but I get your point that it's not the comfort zone necessarily or the focus. And I especially think you're clear when you're saying that head types, because they operate more at this level of the intellect and logic, it's like, like you said, they don't think, take things as personally, like as a two, especially sometimes when I first hear you say that, like it almost doesn't compute. It's like, well, how could you not take things personally in a relationship? However, I think you're making an important point, which is that the way head types operate in more of this theoretical intellectual level, they're, they automatically kind of dial down the personal and go to this more conceptual, theoretical level. And that's why I, I liked how you were helping me see that there's a way to talk about something. It's more at the level of generalizability like yes. people do this like yes. it tends to be this way out there in culture or society as opposed to you know i notice you're this way and it it hurts my feelings yeah so the i had to try to back up my head type friends who are listeners of the podcast <laughs> i'm sorry guys that i didn't make it as much but i tried so the thing is uh, when it comes to relationships, B, it's more difficult for head types. I see. Fives, sixes, and sevens. Mm -hmm. it, it's almost intrinsically something more difficult. Yes, yes. Like I'm thinking about how when I use the Enneagram with teams, let's say, one of the things I look at is the team map. And how many types do you have in the body center? How many types in the head center? And how many types in the heart center. And I often say like in a work setting, the heart types tend to pay more attention to the people and the relationships, uh, the head types and, and at work, especially in many work environments, it kind of makes sense that you wouldn't necessarily be seeing the relationships as the main thing that you're paying attention to. Like if you're an engineer or, you know, or, you know, whatever work you may do there, the task aspects, the mental analysis, planning, aspects would make more sense. So what else makes head types really happy? Like if, if people out there really want to go be with their head type partners and friends tonight and really make them feel good, what, what kind of thing can they do or say? Mm. I think that reinventing the relationship 
constantly is also a good idea. While we say that a lot for sevens, I do think that part of it is a mental type uh, component that needs to be taken into account by the partners of uh, head types. Uh, you, you know, there is this endless seek for learning and the curiosity. Endless uh, search for learning. Yeah. Uh, it's, learning new things. Yeah, thinking doing about new things, things. Doing new things. Yeah, I think that leads to a willingness to have relationships open up the field for that. So if the relationship does not go against that, it, it's already a good thing. Because many times it does uh, when people are averse to, to changes. But also if people bored with you in those ex new experiences and uh, explorations, that uh, creates a bigger bonding. So I think that's something that makes head types happy. Hi. If you're enjoying the depth of knowledge offered in this podcast, you might want to stay in touch with us. B and Wudanyu offer professional Enneagram training, personal development courses, self-guided online courses, and they even have a membership platform with over 100 hours of content. Head to cpenneagram.com slash podcast to learn more. So what kinds of things bother head types? How, how can you get into trouble with head types? We've probably already alluded to some of this but to to make it even more specific mm -hmm. yeah i think that not i think that we said it indirectly but i'll say it again um an unwillingness to be logical in decisions things uh, that are said or not said in a conversation i think that bothers head types Another thing that, uh, and even head types that say they're not looking for logic, I think they're, they sometimes don't know what they're talking about because logical people are not necessarily lacking enthusiasm and adventure or something out of the box because it can be logical to do that. You know? So I think that all head types when they are coming from that head dominance in the level of awareness that is not the most advanced, I think all of them come from a willingness to see logic in the relationship. Um, and another thing that I would say is, again, about emotions and instincts, when they are contextualized, when they are also explained, and when the person does not make all that's happening about them. It's like to ponder more about things, you know, and, and to be able to walk on a middle path that nothing is completely absolute. Things are a bit more relative. I, I do think that this is something that comes from the head energy. It's funny when you said making it all about you and I'm realizing in this conversation, I keep making it about the heart types. <laughs> But I think you should, because it's hard for hard types to understand head types. It's but, true. But I also uh, want to give some equal time to the body types. And uh, I want so I want to ask, I know that sometimes we talk about, yes. I think in all the body types, it's probably clearest, I guess in all of them, 
the way body types can have a sense of what the right thing to do is, yes. but it's not always something they can explain. Uh -huh. um, can you give some <laughs> tips to body types that might be in relationship with head types that may just have an impulse or want to go in a certain direction or want to experience something, but it's hard to put into words that makes logical sense. Yes. So <clears throat> body types, eights, nines, and ones feel many times impatient to head types. Um, and I include nines in here, although nines are not typically people that make others feel like they are impatient with them. Uh, I uh, know in nines better as you and I do. We know that there is impatience in the inside and it's getting accumulated, but they don't show it, right? So uh, there is an impatience because of this um, tendency to go do things while they think. And that is a hard concept for a head type to take in, to do, to think while you do, you know, there is a, an order of factors for um, head types. It's thinking and then doing. So uh, that impatience uh, doesn't feel good at times or many times. Um, another thing is that sometimes relating with body types, I feel like I'm trying hard to tell the person what I'm seeing is happening and I'm coming up with good reasoning and I'm saying things that make sense and they're just looking at me uh, thinking like this guy talks a lot and he, <laughs> and, and he is trying to make sense of something that my belly is telling me that is simply wrong and that <laughs> could be done in that best way better way um so that is difficult in the relationship with body types mm -hmm. so what i think head types expect the most from body types eights nines and ones is that when they are doing the relationship with head types that they open up space in their heads to not stay stuck the belief that there is one right way mm. and that doesn't happen when the body type is, is not doing their work right and i know sixes especially are known for their capacity to argue different sides of one thing and i'm sure all head types have that mental facility of you know they could argue different different angles on on one issue um and aren't so much glued to one sense of it being right. I think that's a big difference, for instance, yes. between fives and ones, even though they can look similar. Yeah. Fives don't think there's one right way. Yes. They can come up with many mental possibilities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you got it. What I, you helped translate what I, um, I was trying to say. And by the way, in a relationship, you help a head type when you allow them to come to a simpler explanation of what they are trying to explain you like a translation um, but following what they are coming up with and if you if, if you just follow what i sometimes call their mental trips mm -hmm. uh, um, a, a little bit with curiosity and attention 
and then you help them become a bit more practical, concrete, or simple, that is helpful. Right. But going back to how people might, you know, inadvertently and intentionally get into trouble with their head type friends mm-hmm. and partners and uh, family members, um, what else would you say is kind of a potential point of conflict or something where, again, if you're just coming from a whole different center, you may, you know, cause a problem without right. meaning to. I think that when people uh, resist making plans and they just want to go do, go leave, see what's going to happen, that is not comfortable for head types. Um, and when, um, without logic people don't make decisions that make sense to be made or uh, when they want to make decisions without taking into account all the logical process so um, basically when people do not allow the head type to do their things uh, planning analyzing and they they try to go against that and changes that come out of the blue mm-hmm. um bad from surprises the, bad surprises yeah <laughs> it isn't it interesting my, that my I, friend always says she doesn't like surprises yeah it's interesting that we think that things that come out of the blue from the other person are bad surprises isn't it yeah but, but it's how we tend to feel they are yes yeah yeah yeah, and perhaps one last thing is when people um, uh, want to just uh, talk about things that don't seem to add much to what I know or to um, what I want to experience uh, in, in my mental process, like having talks that are shallow or talks that um, don't seem very grounded in in a good um, m- mental perspective of life. So that is is very disappointing for I, all head types. I'm imagining it's it's really hard for a head type when say let's say their partner is a, is an emotional type and argues from emotion and kind of refuses to be logical or doesn't doesn't see the value of logic yeah and i do think that what i'm saying now is more valid for fives but i think to a degree it's all head types it's also be uh don't waste my time in terms of talking things that are not mentally meaningful so talking about the weather or you know things that are uh, shallow from our perspective and we are not really learning anything so again it's i'm talking a lot as a five here but i do think that to an extent it's for all head types that people should offer that in the relationship yeah i'm thinking i know that you as a five have told me many times you don't like talking about something we've talked about before. Yeah. Like, and, and I know sevens also like novelty, you know, yeah. that want to be 
sort of thinking of something new, doing yeah. something new, creating, moving on from something you've already discussed. And sixes that I know in my life are the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, there needs to be mental challenges and um, a mental quest for more. You know, one thing that you've taught me about head types that I really didn't know <laughs> is how many thoughts the head types have, like in a short span of time. Uh, like I remember when the first time you said this in a in a retreat, you you demonstrated it by talking about how the day before I had told you something, and in the space of me telling you something that took maybe a minute or less to tell you, you named like. 20 things, 20 or 30 things that you thought of that were sparked by what I said, but all the different thoughts that you went off on uh, sparked by what I said. And I remember my first reaction was, he never listens to me. (laughs) No wonder he never listens to me. He's off in his own, Uh, you know, mental trips, uh, different directions based on what I said. And, And we laughed about that, of course, but Um, But I think that's, I do get the sense sometimes that I'm thinking about some seven friends and also some six friends I have that they're very quick, Mm -hmm. that they think much faster than I do. Yeah, but I I do think that everybody has this capacity if they decide to, to be mental in a certain moment. It's not only five, sixes, and sevens that have that. And what I see is that non-head types in relationships, when they allow for a little bit more of that, you know, just uh, exchanging ideas that aren't sometimes practical or whatever, but for the sake of exercising the head, that is super attractive for uh, the head types. That's a good point, because I do think that even in some of the things we're saying here, there's a danger of having this sense that you know, based on what center we are, we're kind of trapped in our yeah. way of functioning. Yeah. Uh, and I do think we really want to emphasize, and hopefully yes. that's what we're saying when we when we when we can learn about like how you can get in trouble with a head type or, or how you can make them happy. Uh, I think, I guess, I want to emphasize that the point of talking about this is that we can be more flexible mm-hmm. than we often think we can. It only takes a kind of intention yeah. and the will to be more actively conscious in our yes. relationships. Yes. And so And it can be for a short period of time that will satisfy the head type already, you know. Yeah. And then you can invite the head type in your life to do something different with you not in that style. You know, so it's an active effort to meet the person when where the person is. Right. And I can remember recently one thing you said and you and I and I you you said that you realize that there are times when we, you and I are talking about emotions and what happens for you is when it gets to a certain length of time that we're talking about the emotions, mm-hmm. you feel overwhelmed and you need yeah. to shift. And I remember saying, well, why didn't you tell me? And, and you said, well, I'm just kind of getting clear on this, you know, yes. that I think before you would feel overwhelmed and yeah. maybe shut down or withdraw or get mad at me. And I don't really know what's happening because I'm doing my heart type thing and I could talk about emotions all day, you know, and, and often have as a psychotherapist. Um, but that really, that really helped me because when you said that, I said, well, all you really have to do is tell me mm-hmm. that 
you've kind of reached your limit or that you're feeling overwhelmed and can we get more mental? Because, you know, I was raised in an environment where education was valued. And of course, I think yeah. we teach the head. So I can be very heady, mm-hmm. but it's not my default. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, it, I really said, I was very, you know, clear in saying, look, just tell me and I'm, I'm happy to mm-hmm. meet you in the mental space. Yes. Just like I really appreciate you, how much you meet me in the emotional place. And one thing I learned about you is there have been times when we had a conflict and you accused me of being too emotional and I was able to say, hey, I think your emotions were just as problematic <laughs> as mine were because yeah. you are someone getting in touch with your yes. emotions. And yes. I think and I think just like me as a heart type, I can sometimes either not give myself enough credit for being able to shift into mental mode or remember the value of doing that at will, even yeah. without being told, even without feedback from yeah. my friends. Um, I think similar, I think sometimes, uh, we heart types need to have a lot of give, give, cut our head type friends slack when they're learning to be more emotional. Right. Because I think when you're any, anytime you're learning something that's not your default, that's more uncomfortable, that you're going to make mistakes. It's going to be challenging. And I think even if we can have that conversation in relationships, uh, between, you know, all three of the different centers and the types in those centers of saying, Oh, I realize, you know, having a body type say, Oh, I realize I'm kind of in, you know, instinctive mode and let me shift and get and meet you in a more mental place. (laughs) Um, I think if we can even have that kind of conversation with people that can improve relationships a lot. I really liked all you said right now. Yeah. And I appreciated when you told me that, that I could just say, and at the same time, I think that many head types feel um, secretly incompetent of observing emotions and mainly naming them. So I think they also need help from people who are better in that to, to realize that they are getting into a more uncomfortable emotional state. That's something that head types, um, um, would better um, develop, but while they don't, it's it's nice to have support from others and the other person in the relationship to let them know, because as soon as some emotion comes up, the natural tendency is to start intellectualizing about it, and then we go further away from understanding it, paradoxically. Yeah and welcoming it, you know, right. and that's, then managing it. That sounds so important for head types themselves to recognize when they're intellectualizing as a defense against feeling emotional and the discomfort that comes with that, uh, but also the, um, the tendency to think about feelings yes. and maybe think you're feeling, and that can be problematic in yeah. relationships, right? Yeah. To be thinking about the emotion instead of actually feeling it and yeah. then the other person's kind of saying, well, I haven't really felt your emotion yet. Yeah. Now, one thing I I also want to say about that is as you were talking, what I really, um, in some ways I felt like I had a new insight about is that is if, if head types are sort of more naturally in the operating at the intellectual level, having a harder time at the emotional level, 
Well, fear is an emotion, mm -hmm. right? Yes, yes. I think that there is a way that, and this is something I think I've really misunderstood about head types generally that I'm getting clearer on, is that even though fear is, quote unquote, the core emotion that motivates head types in different ways, the three, they tend to not see it. Yes, They tend to exactly. not feel it I was and going recognize to say it, it as such. Yeah. Right, even sixes, who we often yeah. call the core fear point, because they're most centrally, I guess, driven by fear in a more, yeah. more direct way. Um, they often say, and it always surprises me as emotional type, that before they learn the enneagram, they didn't think of themselves as fearful. It's yeah. only when they learn the the enneagram and the way sixes are described and the underlying unconscious motivation that they really understand. Oh. All those times I was focused on being really prepared or solving problems ahead of time, that was fear, you know? Yeah. And again, they, they don't call it that. And I think each of the different head types has a different kind of way of doing that. Right. Like, like sevens, especially most sevens at the basic level of personality before they do inner work, will say, well, they don't feel fear that much. Yeah. Um, but it's, but I think heart types may more readily, even threes say, and I hear this when I do typing interviews. When you ask about sadness, they'll often recognize there's an underlying theme of sadness, even mm. twos and threes who aren't so much in touch with it, um, or sometimes don't admit it, um, will often see that's there. And they're, again, they're emotional types. So it makes sense that they would be more in touch with the core emotion, even if they're not always conscious yeah. of it. Whereas I, I'm having more compassion for my head type friends mm, Thank you. Uh, around <laughs> the fact that but being driven by a core emotion, but also really not being aware of that. Yeah, I, I think that you, you named one point here that uh, hard types are more capable of naming emotions and spotting them when they come up, um, as well as maybe head types are more capable of spotting some thoughts and ideas and work with many of them at a time. However, I also think that when there is an emotion that prevails that much, like fear for head types, it's like water for a fish. You know, you, you're never out of water. So it's even difficult to, to just to notice there's something called water around mm -hmm. you. Uh, and if a bird goes into the water, it's difficult. It's di different. It, it's like they notice that there is water, right? And that's an assumption because I'm neither a, a bird or a fish. <laughs> but uh, I I'm just trying to come up with a mental type resource here, I guess, which is a metaphor to make sense of things. And I know you've also tried on many occasions to go into resonance with fish. Yeah, <laughs> that's a whole other story for <laughs> another time. And yeah, it's true. And it, it helped me. But uh, another time, maybe we do a podcast on resonance. Um, but my point is, yes, you're right. And I think it's a super important point that sometimes fear types don't see fear in particular. Yeah. And I know recently you've said that it's only been lately that you have gotten more in touch with your own fear. Yes. That that's a newer yes. development. Yeah. Um, it was mostly being able to name fear. Uh, as a very constant experience that I didn't before. 
but I also think that has a bit to do with the fact that I'm self-preservation repressed in my instinctual sickness, right. which is yet another theme for another time. Right. So let's talk about what's good about being in relationship with head types. I'd like to hear from you. <laughs> uh, well, I think um, one thing is objectivity. Mm-hmm. And I think there's, uh, and please don't, you know, remember I said this very often, but I think there's something that, that can be really soothing and calming to be with someone who is more objective and more calm, mm-hmm. like in a crisis or mm-hmm. can disconnect from emotions. Like taking things a bit more lightly. Perhaps, taking things and... lightly or being able to not feel a flood of emotion, say when some certain thing happens, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes as heart types, it's like, we can't control that it, it comes over us, you know, and again, there's a wisdom in the emotion. It's not that that's a bad thing. But when I rem- like, I'm remembering a couple times when um, like something surprising happened, like a problem came up uh, with maybe like a retreat we were going to do or something. And I was kind of really taken over by the emotion and the different emotions that came up in, in, relation to being shocked by something uh, something going wrong and you were able to stay more grounded and kind of just talk me down and be the voice of reason um and so i think being able to um balance out being emotional with being able to step back mm-hmm. and see the bigger picture and not be taken over by a feeling that can really color things and distort things in the moment, especially when it's really strong. Um, it's like sometimes I, as a heart type, I forget that some, I'm going to feel completely different like the next day, you know, which is why even though I tell myself constantly, like, don't respond to an email that makes me upset or angry or irritated right away. Like, wait, I still forget that sometimes. And I make mistakes mm-hmm. when I don't allow my emotions to settle so that I can uh, be a little bit more in equanimity and kind of see, oh, okay, there's this feeling. I, you know, see the value of the feeling, but also um, have the sort of a broad view and mm-hmm. know what to do in light of it instead of right. acting rashly. You know, So I think yeah. being, being with head types can be uh, very um, comforting and because they don't get so taken away by that feeling and right. get thrown off. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And glad to know that there are at least a few things that are good in, 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 <laughs> in, in relationship with uh, head types. Now, yes. um, uh, you talked about the big picture. And I think, uh, you know, I hear constantly um people making compliments for uh, head types about that. Uh, And it it is nice for head types, coming back to that theme of what's nice for them, um, when people appreciate going to the big picture and get the help from the head type to contextualize problems and to understand the connection between things. Uh, and that might be an interesting thing for people in relationship with um, head types. I think that also embracing complexity 
of life and and things in a way that simply honors reality you know there is complexity in life so yeah these are a few things that i would add but would you add anything else or maybe talk about the bad things no i i mean i i think we talked a, a little bit about getting into trouble you know especially for me being too emotional or not valuing logic enough because i'm still you know getting over being told i was too emotional and too sensitive yeah. as a child but i think another really important lesson that i've learned from my head type friends is not to take things so personally and right. and again i think probably even more so as a two i have that tendency but i think all heart types especially in immediately reacting to something um recognizing that there is this more impersonal level. And if you go to a more mental level or a more theoretical level, um, you can often see that, oh, okay, this is not about me. You yeah. know, I think with the heart types, there's kind of a sense of identity. Um, and I also think for the gut types, it can be really important for them to use the, the mental function and learn that from the people in their relationship with, with, in terms of learning that it's important sometimes to think things through, either to slow down moving into action, let's say more, more with eights and ones, um, and think things through from different angles, the way head types are really good from do, at doing. And I think for the nines, sometimes they, they, it's the opposite. They get caught in inaction or inertia. And I think sometimes going to the mental level can help them think things through in order to make decisions more quickly, get off the fence, um, yeah. move more into action because they've allowed themselves to think through different aspects of the situation that can help them sort yes. of move up, move off uh, that stuck place. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. Several good points you're making. Now I have a question for you as a very distinguished non head type representative. Uh, a question for you to answer uh, for the sake of our head type listeners. The question is, what do head types uh, should know about the bad impacts they have in relationship with non-head types? Mm. I think sometimes it can be hard when someone goes too much to the theoretical level and doesn't take into account the personal mm -hmm. um, that doesn't take into account say my individual experience of something especially my individual emotional experience of something mm -hmm. and or like it can be hurtful can't it yeah and it can also feel like an avoidance uh, and then a not owning of the avoidance you know, like uh, I know that head types may be uncomfortable feeling emotion. And so I think sometimes there's a, from an analytical point of view, that judgment that yeah, yeah. Uh, something based on emotion isn't as valid as something that's based on logic or information or learning or something that's more mental. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. It's an important thing to know. Yeah. And I do think that head types can come across as being cold at yes. times yeah. and um, not caring as much as other people deserve. Right. Uh, and sometimes being avoidant, you know, like mm -hmm. you said, in general, 
of uh, anything that's not mental type territory. Um, yes, so I think there needs to be an active effort by head types to learn how to quiet the, the mental energy mm-hmm. and to experience feelings and instincts more directly. Yeah, yeah. I also think that um, I'm thinking more of sixes now, but I think sometimes it, what can be hard for me is I, I have the experience that sometimes sixes aren't as susceptible to my charm. And maybe fives also. <laughs> like I think heart uh, types have this sense of we can shape shift or turn on the warmth mm-hmm. or express emotion as a way of connecting with people, as yeah. a way of winning people over or or creating a, a relationship. And I think sometimes some head types can be a little immune to that. There's a little bit of a, because they're not living so much in, in the emotional receptivity, let's say, they can stand away or apart or not be so available to that <laughs> emotional appeal, let's say. Yeah. Um, that, and again, I think as a two, this is part of the pride. I, I for a long time, always had this sense of, oh, I can win anyone over. I can charm anybody, you know? Uh, but the, there are some people I felt like I couldn't charm and they were often, especially fives and sixes, you know, I think sometimes sevens want to be charmed. Uh, whereas the fives and sixes can be a little bit more, it's like they don't fall for it as easily. And let's face it, sometimes us twos, we can, and it's funny, it, it, we can be a bit over the top or like get more on the flattering edge where it's a little bit inauthentic. Maybe it's coming from my own anxiety. I want to know you like me. And so it's less grounded and maybe a little even irritating, but I, I and, but I have the experience sometimes that fives and sixes, especially that they're more to remove, you know, not necessarily going to be reached by an emotional appeal that I don't think of as an emotional appeal. I just think of yeah. it as you know in some ways being myself relating. but relating yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. relating from from more of emotion more so of emotion. i hear what you say and i do think that may happen but i also think that in part uh, part of the time what's happening there is that mental types just need more time that they are in the process uh you know mental types are slower in many ways but so their minds work so quickly well, n- yes, but we're not talking about their minds in wor- at work here. Mm-hmm. We are talking about them being charmed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's it's a much slower process. I see. So I don't mean to encourage type choose egos here, but, <laughs> uh, but what I'm saying actually is that even the charming process or allowing oneself to be charmed by someone is slower. So, and somehow I think that you are having an expectation of that happening too quickly. If you just uh, wait a little bit more, you might knock down your head types with charm. Yes, yes. I definitely think I can be impatient to see results from my charm (laughs) offensive. Yeah. And by (laughs) the way, wanting to see results too quickly with head types is something that is hard for them in relationships. So any last things uh, you want to say before we, uh, we we end this very illuminating conversation about head types and relationships? I think head types are great. <laughs> <laughs> I think that everybody should have a, heart, a head type in their lives. 
yeah. <laughs> no, I, I know, you know, uh, when it comes to relationships, I think we feel less. We feel less capable uh, and a bit incompetent. But um, it helped me a lot to, to not only understand uh, why that was the case and, and also to develop compassion for myself and other head types, as well as I developed empathy for body types and heart types. You know, one more thing I really want to remember to say, and I'm so glad I remembered to say this, is one of the things I love about head types, all my head type friends, this is true of, is they're very, very humorous. Yeah. They often have a great sense of humor. Um, and I'm thinking here, you have five, sixes, and sevens that I can think of in my life who are very quick sense of humor, very funny. And I, I love funny people. And, yeah. and it's funny because I think about you. And when I first met you, when we were on the board of directors together at the IEA in like, what was it, 2004, 2009, I did not think of you as a funny person. <laughs> uh, you probably thought of me as a boring person. <laughs> boring is a little strong but yeah. you were kind of serious yeah. and now i think you're one of the funniest people i know so wow. maybe it's just a five thing of it, it takes you a little time to warm up but uh but yeah but i you know but you know so many of the funniest people i've ever known in my life are head types. Types, and I, I think they're really quick-witted quick-witted right? yes yeah. yes yeah, a lot I think of comedians, I think, even are sixes, for instance. Yeah, I agree. Often... Yeah, stand up comedians. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Versatility, some um... mental flexibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If not spontaneity in itself, because that's a bit more instinctive, I guess. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, they are flexible in, yeah. in the ways of thinking and yes. so on. Open minded, yeah. able to think of different yeah. sides of things. And I do think that head types can help people in their lives grow intellectually yeah. in different ways. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. I, I also appreciated this a lot because, you know, sometimes we need this kind of discussion to bring out all the things that we think, you know. So uh, you, uh, that was helpful for me to name a few more things while we were recording the podcast. Yeah. Good. Thank you. Good. Good discussion. It's time for our top five. What is our top five today, B? Our top five is the top five types who are least likely to hold themselves accountable for mistakes. I must say this was a hard one for me to get to a conclusion myself, but I, I have my, my personal opinions now. Okay, uh, that's good. So what's your number five? My number five is type six. Um, I think that on one hand, sixes blame themselves for a lot that happens, which is not necessarily making themselves accountable, but you know, leads sometimes to accountability. They are also very responsible and responsive um, so I do think they make themselves accountable many, many times. But on the other hand, there is this thing about sixes of not owning responsibility for their own lives, which sometimes leads to not being accountable for things that they don't do in life. And, uh, you know, going on with a project, uh, 
an ambition they have or whatever. It, so if we are talking about not being accountable for something they do to others, it's one thing. But accountable more in general, it's another thing. Now, I do think that sometimes sixes project and think that they haven't done things that they have done. So, yeah, so they are my number five. What about you? My number five is five. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I thought about this in terms of the five kind of defining their own view of what mistakes might be. In other yeah. words, they may not be held accountable to other people's idea of what a mistake is, you know? Right. Also, right. I think they're sensitive to being seen to not know things. Mm -hmm. And so I think that can also work, work against being held accountable or or they just kind of broaden the scope. It's like they don't they don't adhere to other people's maybe mental models of something or concepts. Right. And so that can be sort of a way of kind of wriggling out of responsibility at yeah. times. I see the very same thing for fives and I had them in my top five, but last time I saved us fives by not having them. <laughs> they went to my sixth place, you know. Ah. Yeah. What is your fourth? Showing some favoritism. Yeah. So my fourth is four. Wow, I didn't plan it this way, but mm -hmm. um, five is five and four is four. Um, in a similar way, I think fours can sort of shift the context mm -hmm. of meaning or, you know, the way they think of things creatively. It's sort of like, well, that wasn't a mistake and it's because you didn't understand my true intention or mm -hmm. because I don't have this, I don't assign the same meaning to that that you do or... Um, you don't understand my emotions, and so you just don't understand why I did that. So they, it's sort of like they can shift the meaning context yeah. in the same way I think fives can sort of shift the intellectual or conceptual context to to almost reframe their mistake is not really a mistake. Mm, yeah, I get your point. I Force didn't make it either for my top five. And uh, the one that makes and is my fourth is eight and uh, I, it, they almost didn't make to the top five because I, I wasn't going to include them so on one hand i think eights make themselves accountable for everything like um being in charge and saying let me deal with it and if there is something bad happening it's on me you know it's a little bit on of um you know the eight style but on the other hand denial May, which is the main defense mechanism for them, makes them not see the impact they have on others and uh, that they make people feel a certain way they don't see. Uh, so I, I do think they, they sometimes don't make themselves accountable. But if whenever it's more um, something like being accountable for th something they, they didn't do, I think they are not bad um, because they they make sure that they do things and they hold others as accountable usually. And I think they, they do hold themselves accountable in that way. So they are not my top three, but they, they are my fourth. So my number three is two. And I think twos can have a hard time. Some I mean, sometimes twos, let's face it, they apologize too much or they yeah. take too much responsibility, or they're too quick, especially if they think they've displeased someone. I know for me, I'll, I'll 
really try to admit to a mistake as a way of getting back in someone's good graces. But I also think that sometimes because of the pride, uh, they can have a really hard time owning a mistake if it yeah. makes them look bad or if it makes them feel like they've let someone down or there can be a, a, something that's very painful about mm. owning a particular mistake. So I think, I think that, or, you know, I know for myself is sometimes I get a sense of like, like I'm right about something or the way I'm seeing something is right. And it can be hard for me to give way. Mm. Yeah, I I understand what you're saying, and uh, shoes are also my third, um, for the very same reasons. And I I just see sometimes that what makes it easier for shoes to hold themselves accountable is when other people do that. This they yeah. hold themselves accountable yes. first, and that is sort of easier for the shoes to negotiate with pride to do the same. Uh, yeah. Like there needs to be an even thing. In right, that. or it's safer yeah. in some ways. Safer, it's like, yeah. okay, we're all human and we're all admitting that together. <laughs> yeah. 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 So they are my third also. Yeah. My number two is seven. And, um, you know, I think that seven is rationalized commitment. Uh, they many times are seen as not following through with uh, some commitment or promise they made. And they change plans or they don't do exactly what was agreed and uh, they not necessarily hold themselves accountable for that. Um, I think that people see that at least in them. And um, many times when I did work in organizations uh, and when it came to this competency of accountability, uh, problems were uh, seen with type seven executives uh, on accountability. So they are my second. What is your second? My second is also seven. Um. And because of everything you said, plus rationalization. Mm. Rationalization is something sevens do a lot, which is yeah. finding good reasons for whatever they want to do. And so usually they can rationalize their way out of even seeing something as a mistake and yeah. connected to that reframing. Right. If someone says, you know, you made a mistake in doing this, they can reframe it as um, not a mistake because uh, they can see the positive that yes. came from it, for instance. Yes. Um, so. So, yes, seven, so sevens. And also, I think there can be something negative or bad feelings connected to uh, mistakes, admitting mistakes. And sevens can want to avoid that. It can make them feel bad. And so they can try to to avoid yeah. that that emotional experience. So what is your first? My first is eight. Wow. Yeah, I was surprised you had it lower down. My, mine is eight. Um, because in my experience, eights are uh, have a hard time uh, admitting fault at times mm -hmm. because the truth is the way, of whatever way they see it. It's a little bit the deniability that you mentioned or denial. Um, and it, they, it can have a hard time apologizing because of that, because of not sort of defining reality in their own terms and so defining their way out of mistakes or or it can be a vulnerable experience to have the humility to admit that you made a mistake and sometimes i think eights can avoid that experience uh, interesting yeah i get your point but my number one is a number that you you didn't mention in your five and that's type three why it's because I think sometimes people mistake 
um, you know, working hard and making things happen for being accountable. And I think that while threes do a lot of the former, they don't do as much of the latter. Um, my reasoning was, unfortunately, I've seen many, many times in my career in organizational consulting, uh, threes, when something goes bad, goes wrong, threes blaming the team and not themselves. Yeah. I've seen threes, you know, I think there is, uh, it's so hard to face failure that there is a first reaction of looking at others to see who did that, who mm -hmm. did anything wrong. Mm -hmm. So in that aspect, I thought of uh, them as my number one. But I, I do think that they they make themselves very, very responsible for everything. And not so I'm not talking about accountability in that sense. Um, it's just that um, actually when things go wrong, I think they they are one of the most avoidant of looking inside and say, I did something but, you know, it's mm -hmm. it's completely uh, uncomfortable for their personality, especially if it tarnishes their image in any way. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And yes. I think I think you make some good points, especially what mm -hmm. strikes me as more maybe lower awareness threes. Yeah. I think especially yes. the case. Um, yes, yes. I think the reason why I thought of threes for a minute and I kind of dismissed them from this list because a lot of the threes that I hear talking especially in an organizational context often say something like well just tell me what i did wrong because i want to fix it yes you know that yes. it's all about getting to the goal and delivering the result and that's the priority and so a lot of threes in my experience will will say tell me give me direct feedback and i really want to hear yeah what i'm doing wrong and will readily admit it if it means they get to the goal because mm -hmm. if I'm making a mistake and it's mm -hmm. make, getting me further away from my goal, I want to know and, yeah. and I'll correct it uh, in service of moving forward and getting there. I so think, that's the, what I was thinking more along the lines of, but, but I hear your point. And I hear yours. Management. I yeah. hear your points. I think you have good points. I agree with all you said about threes. So it's I just... was right and you were wrong. <laughs> As always. My, my, list, my list is better than yours. As always. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, I just, uh, yeah, it's interesting to see how we might have at times complementary um, understanding of what accountability means. Yes, exactly. And, uh, but I, yeah, I appreciated uh, seeing the differences also in our final results. Yeah, all right. I think I was thinking it in my one-ishness in this respect. Yeah. I, I felt my one coming coming alive in me, my my next door neighbor one, which I have a lot of because I grew up with two ones. Yeah, um, and I thought of including ones on my five. Because, I thought you might just to be kind yeah. of counterintuitive, but yeah, yeah I, I I I couldn't find a rational. I think most ones. Will yeah, readily. That was my states. the same conclusion I had. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Great. Thank you. Thank you. So thank you for listening. Join us again for our Enneagram 2.0 podcast where we talk about all things Enneagram. <laughs>